To be loved means to be chosen. The assurance that someone has chosen you is one of the greatest gifts that love blesses us with. When being chosen, being chosen means that that someone sees you as unique. Being chosen means that, that, that someone sees you as, as, as someone who has something to offer. Being chosen means that someone wants to be closer to you. It means that someone wants you to be on their side. Someone wants to be on your side. And so being chosen, it feels wonderful. It feels, it feels awesome. But on the other hand, the pain of not being chosen is one of the worst pains there is. A, 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 10-year-old, a 10-year-old spoke about the pain of life on the playground. All my life, I've been chosen last. That's my problem. You might as well just hang a sign around me that says, reject, last team to choose gets me. Do any of you know that pain? Because when you're chosen last, it really means that you weren't chosen. Okay? Someone got stuck with you. And so there's no gift like being chosen, but at the, at the other hand, there's no pain like the pain of being rejected. But when a reject, when someone who's normally rejected gets chosen by someone, Now, that changes lives. The following story is from a book called The Whisper Test. In her words, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, a crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I would tell them I'd fallen and and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. But we had a teacher in grade two whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard. She was short, round, and happy, an amazing lady. Every year, we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class, and finally it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something, and we would have to repeat it back. And they'd usually usually whisper things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? So I waited for her to say something, and God must have given her the words that she spoke. Those seven words changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. To be chosen means to be loved. Love whispers, I choose you. I want you to be with me. I want you to be on my side. I want to be 
on your side. And for hurting people, for people like you and me with souls that need to be filled with love, for people who've failed to be perfect and need the kind of love and assurance that we've been accepted by God, for, for if, you, if, if we can use this term, for misfits who have been handicapped by our sinful nature, love whispering, I choose you, that brings us to life. That brings us real life. Being chosen is positive, isn't it? Being chosen is, is positive. Um, when, someone, when I'm chosen, I'm seen as unique. I'm not just another brick among many. When I'm chosen, I'm seen as, as someone who has something worthwhile to contribute. All right? I have a gift that's going to make a difference. I have, I have something that's going to help the team out. Being chosen means that, that someone wants me to be with them. So I'm not disconnected. I'm not isolated. I belong. And, and friends, when God chooses us, he blesses us with, in all these different ways. But, but living in, in our sinful world, to be chosen also has some negative implications, doesn't it? See, in our world, being chosen in our world almost always means to be chosen at someone else's expense, right? In our world, when, uh, when someone is chosen, being chosen in our world means to be superior to, to be better than. It means to be the one that everyone's jealous of. It means to be the favorite. And so the scramble to be chosen in our sinful world becomes this competitive game, doesn't it? If I'm chosen, uh, when, when you get chosen, you're, you're, you're puffed up. If, you, if you're not chosen, then you feel envy of those who were chosen. And so we have this constant struggle going on in our lives. We have this constant battle going in our lives to, to be chosen, to be someone who is chosen, someone who someone else wants. And um, we, we always have this struggle. Am I going to be chosen or am I going to be rejected? When, when they're choosing sides for the teams to play this game, are, am I going to get chosen soon? Or am I going to be the last one? Um, when I go and ask her out, is she going to say yes? Is he going to ask me out? Will I be selected for this school? Will I be selected for that job? Will I be selected for this promotion? So we get into this struggle of wanting to be loved, wanting to be chosen, and not wanting to be left out, not wanting to be rejected. A grade four teacher once introduced a game to the class called Balloon Stomp. You probably you already can maybe figure this out. A balloon was tied to each child's leg, and the object of the game was to pop everyone else's balloon while protecting your own. And the last one with an intact balloon wins. Not really a team sport, is it? If I win, you lose. Right? Everyone, everyone becomes, basically your success starts diminishing my chances. Everyone becomes uh, someone to overcome, someone to prevail against. Balloon stomp is survival of the fittest at its best. But these 10-year-old kids, they had no problem whatsoever getting into it. Balloons were mercilessly targeted and destroyed. Now, now some kids tried uh, 
hanging out in the, at the perimeters, at the edges, you know, and just being, trying to go unnoticed and, and protecting their balloons. Uh, but their balloons were doomed all the same. And the battle was over in a matter of seconds. And there was only one balloon left inflated. And its owner was the most envied and the most disliked kid in the class. It's hard to really win at balloon stomp. But then a disturbing thing happened. Another class of kids was brought in to play balloon stomp. Only this was a class of mentally challenged children. Now they were given the same instructions to play the same game. But some of the onlookers were getting a little bit of a sinking feeling in their pits of their stomach because they wanted to really spare these children from the pressure of this competitive brawl. However, this time the game went differently. Even though the same instructions were given, the one idea that sank in with them is that the balloons were to be popped. But instead of battling each other and fighting each other over them, they got the idea in their heads that they were to help one another pop the balloons. And so they kind of formed almost like a balloon-stomping production line. So one little girl held her balloon down very carefully, almost like a holder for a field goal kicker, while one boy stomped it flat. Then the little boy knelt down, held his balloon in place while she stomped it flat. And on and on it went as they helped one another pop the balloons in this great stomp. And when the very last balloon was popped, everybody cheered. Everybody won. So the question you have to ask is, who got the game right and who got the game wrong? And the question you have to answer is, which game are you going to play? In God's plan, in God's world, your chosenness, the fact that he has chosen you, that enriches me instead of diminishing me. All right? We're used to a world where, oh, if, if that person is chosen, then the rest of us aren't. So uh, they're enriched, we're diminished, they're held up, we're put down, right? But in God's, in God's plan, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this, but in God's plan, the fact that you have been chosen by him, that enriches me. That makes my life better. Because now your life is some is a life filled with God and I'm going to be blessed by you. So in God's plan, the way God chooses, when, when you win, when you're chosen, when you're loved, that blesses me. That doesn't take away from my life. Our world just doesn't work that way. Um, the people of Israel, and we've talked about this a lot, right? The people of Israel were, call, were called God's chosen people. But they weren't chosen in the sense that they were his favorites or in the sense that they had some inside track to heaven. It was God's plan from the very beginning that through Abraham, their father, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So Israel was not chosen instead of all the other nations on earth. They were chosen precisely for the sake of all the other nations on earth. All the other nations on the earth were going to be blessed through them because God chose them to bring his son into the world and launch this plan of salvation that God could carry his love to every one of us all the way through history, all the way to Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. So God didn't choose them instead of us. God chose them to bless us. God choosing, God's choosing is so different than the way we think about it. So... Um, this is the realization that rocked Peter when it finally dawned on him. And that's how our text begins. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism 
but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So a Gentile, that's a person who's not a Jew, a Gentile, a Roman centurion from Italy, we talked about this with the kids on Wednesday, from Italy, uh, named Cornelius, he was not one of God's chosen people, but he wanted to be. He wanted to be loved by God. Then you have Peter. Now Peter has grown up with people who believe we are God's chosen people. But now, Peter has been sent to tell Cornelius about Jesus. And along the way, through in a vision, the Holy Spirit convinces Peter that God has not chosen his people instead of the Gentiles, instead of the Italians, instead of the Romans, instead of all the other nations on earth. He's chosen his people for the sake of the Gentiles, the Romans, the Italians, the Greeks, and all the people that live to the ends of the earth. Because it's going to be through his people that Jesus comes into the world, and then it's going to be through his people, him included, who are now telling the rest of the world about a Savior from sin, who are telling the rest of the world that God loves all the people of the world, and that Jesus, what he did on the cross in the empty tomb, is for everybody. So we're all going to be blessed through those chosen people, people chosen for that task. And the message that they needed to hear is that God accepts everyone from any nation. God accepts everyone who fears him. In other words, who believes in Jesus as their savior. And then lives this response, this life that is a response of thanks for what God has done. See, it's righteousness that God cares about. Not uh, the color of your flag or the color of your skin. God is looking for righteousness. And because he loves us, God gave us that righteousness through Jesus. God has no favorites. Everyone is God's favorite. But we don't play that way. We don't play balloon stomp that way. We're not used to that in this world. We play a different game. It's everyone for himself. And if I win, you lose. And if you win, I lose. Right? You won't admit it, but... This is the game we play, right? We see someone driving a nicer car than we have, and we think, oh man, they are so materialistic. But then we see someone driving a junkier car than we have, right? And we think, oh man, they're not as, success- they're not as successful as I am. Or we see someone who is, is um, they're, they're complaining and grumpy all the time, and we think, man, why don't they grow up? But then we see someone who is cheerful all the time, and we think, Oh, man, that person is way too happy. <laughs> they are living in denial. It doesn't matter, right? Whatever, whatever someone else, we will find a way to lower anyone else what they're doing different than us. And we think, you name it, fill in your own blanks here, but we think, oh, I wish I had his or her brains. I wish I had his or her looks, his or her success, his or her uh, marriage, his or her money, and the list could go on, right? And, and if... And if I can't have it, you know what? Or I wish they didn't have it. Because if I can't have it, then I don't want anyone to have it. Stomp. Envy. Envy is wanting what another person has and feeling bad that I don't have it. Envy is disliking God's goodness to others and and. Dis- disallowing God's goodness to me. Right? 
or, or uh, sorry, dismissing God's goodness to me. Realize, you know, not thinking of how good God has been to me. Just being, being upset God's so good to other people and not just realizing how good God has been to me. Envy is anti-community. Envy doesn't want to share Jesus with people who are different than us or people who come from a different place than we do or don't have what we have. Envy not only seeks self-gratification, but it also seeks to put down the one I envy. Uh, Frederick Beekner said, Envy is the consuming desire to have everybody else as unsuccessful as you are. Stomp. When I envy someone, I lose sight of the fact that that someone is a human being whom God loves. When, if you know the story of Cain and Abel, you know, Cain envied Abel, ended up killing him. When, when, when Cain looked at Abel, he no longer saw his brother. But now, Abel was only a rival. A, a rival that would, that would threaten or challenge Cain's status with God. And so Abel was now the hated favorite, as if God could only have one favorite. And so this really is the balloon stomp game taken to the very final extreme. Envy isolates. It's, it's everyone for himself. There's actually, there's, you know, we talk about the red line of, of Jesus that runs throughout the whole Bible. There's a green line of envy that runs through the whole Bible. From Cain and Abel, to Isaac and Ishmael, to Jacob and Esau, to Joseph and his brothers. Right? Rachel was chosen, Leah was not. You have Miriam and Aaron, envious of Moses. You had King Ahab, envious of Naboth. Going to the New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira, envious of a generous uh, uh, reputation. And you even have Paul writing to the Philippians, telling them that some, some people were preaching the gospel out of envy. And throughout the whole Bible, there's this tension between the Jews, who are chosen as God's people, and the Gentiles, who are not. So it's kind of like, we're God's favorites, not you. Stomp. Friends, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that there's envy in me. And I don't like that envy in me. And I would get rid of it if I could. But I can't stop envying just because I'm going to try hard. The only way that envy can be healed in me is when I come to realize that I have been chosen by God. The only way that envy can be healed in your hearts is when you come to realize and believe that you have been chosen by God. That's what heals us of envy. That's what fills us with, with everything we need. That is what fills our lives with the true joy that no one can take away You've been chosen by God. You have nothing to envy. As, and when you see God being good to others, you rejoice because God has been just as good to you. See, in this world, those who are chosen rule. Those who are not chosen serve. But God's plan is different. God does not choose in that way. In God's love, my chosenness never diminishes anyone else. My chosenness does not come at the expense of anyone else. God chooses me to enhance the lives of others, to improve the lives of others, to bless the lives of others. And in God's plan, those who are chosen are always chosen to serve. Never chosen to rule, always chosen to serve. 
Look at verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So the message that God gave to Israel was meant to bring true peace to the whole world because Jesus is Lord of all. From the very beginning, through Abraham, God wanted to bless all the peoples on earth. Now, salvation would come through God's chosen people, but his grace was meant for everyone. Verses 37 and 38. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So no one could have missed what had happened. This didn't happen in a corner. No one missed what Jesus did. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, he saw what Jesus did. He didn't miss that. He knew what had happened. The world is aware of what Jesus has done. They're dismissing the significance of it. Okay? The people of this world, they've seen the great things Jesus has done, but they need to see his greatest accomplishments, the cross and the empty tomb. The cross and the empty tomb. That's what they need to see and what that means for them, what it means for you and me. That is what the world needs to hear. That's the message of God's love that we all need to hear. Verses 39 to 42. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. So we are witnesses to the most important event of all of human history. Ironically, it was out of envy that they put Jesus to death. But God raised him to life again. And that's exactly what needed to happen so that everyone in the world, including you and me, would be made right with God again. And God did that because he loved the people from all the nations of the world. God has no favorites. Everyone is God's favorite. And our last verse, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The whole Old Testament pointed to Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And in a sense, this kind of wraps up the theme we've been talking about for this entire year, because this is kind of when our ministry year comes to an end, the whole Bible was talking about Jesus all along. We want to see Jesus, and he's right there in the middle. That whole book is about him. More specifically, it's about what God has done for us through Jesus, about how God has loved us through Jesus. And, and really, this is another way to say what it says in John 3.16 that all those kids in the soccer field knew so well. For God so loved the world. And this says that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. Everyone from every country in the world. So friends, no matter how unworthy you might be, no matter what kind of track record you might have, no matter where you have come from, no matter um, how well you've lived or how poorly you've lived, you are loved. You are chosen. And you are forgiven for all of it. God wants each one of us to have that joy. The joy of forgiveness. The joy of forgiveness. And just because he's given that joy to someone else 
takes nothing away from you. So you get to celebrate the gifts of others together with them. You get to celebrate the joy that other people have with them because it doesn't take yours away. God loves you and has forgiven you the same way God loves the people around the world or the person sitting in the chair next to you right now. All equally. So we get to celebrate together. And as we do that, as we celebrate that joy of forgiveness together, it makes the joy a whole lot more wonderful. What God has done for you out of his love through Jesus not only means that you are his favorite, it means that everyone is God's favorite. From that cross, God whispered to each one of you from that cross. And from that cross, God whispered to you, I wish you were my child. I want you to belong to me. I choose you. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.